If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Joshua chapter 1. You can turn there or you can scroll, click, whatever you do if you have your smartphone. Joshua chapter 1, it comes immediately after Deuteronomy. In my Bible, it's on page 178. Joshua chapter 1, we're going to read just nine verses this afternoon. We're going to read verses 1 to 9. I'm going to read it out. You just look along with me. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. God keeps it real. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you. Just as I promised to Moses, from the wilderness in this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea towards the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous. For you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. Man, God wants us to have success. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Today I want to talk to you on the topic, the key to moving forward. The key to moving forward. Let me pray for us before we get started. Bow your heads. Father, we thank you for your presence. That in your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. We thank you that your presence is here in this place. And God, we ask that as your word goes out, would it go out like a double-edged sword? Would it be a word of counsel and might? Would it encourage and strengthen? Would it build up, God, and tear down the things that need to be torn down from our lives? God, I pray that our hearts would be able to receive it. I bind every distraction right now, and I just declare strength and courage in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. The key to moving forward. You know, this passage of Scripture is well known to those who have went on missions with us. Because there's a song that we sing and we do the motions to every time, you know. Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. (laughs) That was a different version. I could have did like a remix. Be and courageous. Okay, never mind. (laughs) I had had no plans to do that. I want to talk to you about the key to moving forward. 
You know, on Friday, I had the privilege and honor and grace of God to celebrate my 29th birthday. And as I enter into my, I guess, is it my 30th year? Is it my 29th? I guess it's kind of my 30th year of life because you don't count zero. Um, One thing that's been just etched on my heart this past weekend is the fact that time continues to move forward. And that there's nothing I can do to stop it. You know, when I turned 28, I thought I was done. I thought, like, you know, mm, 28 is a good year. You know, I'm young. I'm still young. Still young. I'm in a prime, prime time, prime time right now. But then once 29 came around, I said, 29, that sounds greater than 28. <laughs> you know, people are like, you know, you should start putting products on. I'm like, what are you talking about, products? Like eye cream. You should put eye cream. Eye cream. Why should I put eye cream on? I'm not putting eye cream on. And it seemed like I looked in the mirror on my 29th birthday, and it seemed like I aged. I was like, yesterday, I looked good. What happened today? Because time seems to move forward. You know, God is all about moving forward. God is always moving forward. He's always doing a new thing. Isaiah 43, 18 and 19 says, forget the former things. Consider not the ways of old. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. We see in Haggai that the glory of the latter house is greater than the former. We know that God takes us with ever increasing glory, which means that God is constantly moving forward. You know, when I watch the Discovery Channel, I find that nature moves forward. It's constantly this, you know, the circle of life. And then and It's constantly moving forward. You watch the Discovery Channel, you find that nature is constantly moving forward. God is moving forward. Time is moving forward. Nature even moves forward. The trees move forward. The lions and the zebras move forward. But I find that the, out of, All the things that are moving forward, the one thing that has trouble moving forward is humans. We have so much trouble moving forward. Yeah, we may age. But in terms of our mindsets, in terms of our lives, in terms of stepping into what God has for us, we have so much trouble moving forward. We get stuck. We find ourselves doing the same things, walking in circles. Over and over again, living in the mundane, constantly staying in that pit, staying in that rut. And it seems like for us as human beings, we have the most trouble moving forward. Time waits for no man. And God don't either. And neither does nature. But we seem to be stuck. Here in this passage, we find that the people of Israel are at the end of one season and at the beginning of another. They've spent 40 years walking in circles in the wilderness. They've spent 40 years. They have been brought out of Egypt, and they have been brought into the wilderness. And God is calling them to move forward. He's calling them to step into the promised land. But because of their unbelief, because of their fear, because of their weakness, they don't move forward, right? They go, they spy out the land, and then they come back and they say, man, the land is flowing with milk and honey. Moses, look at these grapes. 
man, this is a great place. But you know what? They got some big people there. We can't go there. We're like grasshoppers. And because of their fear, because of all these things, they end up walking in circles in the wilderness. And so they're in this place of being stuck. But in Joshua chapter 1, we find that the time of them being stuck has come to an end. How many of us know that even if you're stuck, even if you're walking in circles, even if you feel like that you are in a rut, there comes a time where you got to start moving forward. There comes a time where you may be okay with your spiritual apathy. You may be okay with your addiction, your spiritual stagnancy. You may be okay with your spiritual walk being the same old same. And Sundays is just when I go to church, I act like I'm spiritual, and then I go back home. But there comes a time where those things have to come to an end and you have to start moving forward. So we find here in Joshua chapter 1 that Joshua, God speaks to Joshua because the time of being stuck and being in the wilderness and walking in apathy, walking in circles, having the same old same, that time has come to an end. And it's time to move forward. If you want to move forward, I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, I'm ready to move forward. I want you to turn to turn to the other neighbor and say, neighbor, it's time to get on with it. Not with it. Sorry, with it. W.I.T. It's time to get on with it. See, in this passage, we are at a key place where God causes people And in many ways, an individual to move forward. And the thing is, is that if we don't move forward, we find ourselves in a place of despair, hopelessness, and in a rut. Because we recognize and we know that God has not made us to be stuck. If God himself moves forward, if time moves forward, if nature moves forward, then you and I also are meant to move forward. There comes a time where we have to move forward. And the key to moving forward is found in this passage. And it's it's repeated three times by God. It's to be strong and courageous. Everyone say, be strong and courageous. The key to moving forward is strength and courage. You thought I was going to say pray more. You thought I was going to say read your Bible. You thought I was going to say stop doing what you're doing before. No, the key to moving forward is being strong and courageous. Strength and courage. I'll give you three reasons why we must be strong and courageous, and it's found in this passage. The first is we have to be strong and courageous because God has put a purpose On our lives. Everyone say purpose. God has put a purpose on your life. And if you're not strong and courageous, you'll never step into it. Joshua 1 verses 1 to 2. Look at it. It says, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, or in the God voice, Moses, my servant is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over the Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am given to them, to the people of Israel. Can you imagine Joshua in this moment? 
Joshua has just seen Moses die. He has just heard that God has told Moses, Moses, and God was real gangster about Moses' death. He was like, hey, go climb that mountain. By the time you get to the top of it, it's going to be your day. You're done. You're going to die. <laughs> Moses is like, okay. And he climbs the mountain. Like, I would have been like, nah, I ain't going to that mountain. I'm going to go over here. I'm going to go to a valley. <laughs> I'm not going to go to the mountain. Like, but Moses goes, Moses dies, and then God turns to Joshua and he says, check it out, Moses is dead. Now you, Joshua, it's time for you to step up. Now when we look at and we think about this passage, we think about Joshua, we love to interpret Joshua according to what we know he will accomplish, right? We know that Joshua is a mighty man of God, that he leads the armies of Israel into many fights, but it identifies Joshua here. It says, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord. Whew. Powerful. The Lord said to Joshua, Moses' assistant. He's just identified as his assistant. You know what Joshua did up until this point? I mean, he went, he spied out the promised land, and then he came back with just things are really good. Other than that, he just followed Moses around. Wrote down what he said. I mean, imagine if today I took applications for you to follow me around and write down everything I say. We'd have zero applicants. But when we read this, we're like, ooh, Joshua, Moses' assistant. Ooh. Nah, he was his secretary. Moses' secretary. Now, rise up, Moses' secretary, and lead everyone. You imagine in that moment how that must have felt? How daunting that must have felt. Moses is known to be the most humble man in the Bible. He is the most, he's one of the greatest leaders in, in the history of Israel. And you have to go take his place. What? See, Joshua had a calling and a purpose that he had to step into. And I imagine that he wasn't the most excited about it. Why? Because God tells him to be strong and courageous three times. If he was so strong and courageous, God would only have to say it to him once. Be strong and courageous. I got this. I've already been working out for this. No. He has to keep telling him over and over and over. Why? Because there was probably some areas in Joshua's heart that felt like, I can't do it. There were probably some areas in his heart that felt like, this was too much for me. This is too strong for me. I can't ascend. I can't be like Moses. But he said, hey, you need to be strong and courageous. Why? Because you are meant to lead the people. You have a calling and a destiny. You have a purpose on your life that you will not accomplish unless you start thinking of yourself differently. Unless you start being strong and courageous. See, for many of you, there are callings and purposes and things that God's been calling you to step into, but you haven't stepped into it because you're afraid. You haven't stepped into it because you felt like that the mountain was too great. But this is the day where God is telling you, take on strength, take on courage, because your calling and destiny depends on it. The second reason is because in order to be, he needs to be strong and courageous to step into the promises of God. Verses 3 and 4. He says, every place, this is God talking to Joshua. He calls him. He, he speaks this calling over him. And then he says, listen, every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I have promised to Moses. 
from the wilderness in this Lebanon as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea towards the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. He begins to share with Joshua the promises that he's spoken. He's like, look, all of this land, in fact, every place that the sole of your foot would tread, I'll give it to you. You know, I was meditating on this passage, and I realized that we need strength and courage just to step into the promises of God. You know, when God gives a promise, he expects you not to just receive it. He expects you to walk in it. That's why God says to Joshua, every place that the sole of your foot will tread. Because there was an expectation. Joshua, here's the promised land, but you can't just sit back and wait for it passively. You got to start taking some steps forward. See, there's many Christians in the body of Christ today. We hear the promises of God. We read our Bible. We hear about what God, oh, God is giving me good, pleasing, and precious promises, right? But then God's like, hey, do something. What? What? Hey, I'm calling you into the entertainment mountain. Now it's time for you to start taking some steps in that direction. Wait, wait, what, what? I'm calling you to be a CEO. I'm calling you to change this area of society. Now you need to start preparing yourself. Start taking some steps in that direction. Huh? No, no, God, I'm going to pray about it more. You know, let me pray about it is like the Christian delaying it like... God's like, I want you to do this. God, let me pray about it. He's like, I told you, you don't need to pray about it. (laughs) You know, too many of us wait for an opportunity. But what are you doing right now? What are you doing right now? See, strength and courage comes to help us to start taking some steps in the right direction. See, that place that God's calling you to, that mountain that he's calling you to ascend to, that area of society he wants you to impact, it doesn't just happen overnight. You've actually got to start taking steps towards that promise. See, Joshua had to start taking steps towards that promise. And with every step, he had to take on strength and courage. With every step, he had to fight on the inside where he thought, this is stupid, this is crazy. Everyone else is thinking, Joshua, no, no. You shouldn't do that. That's too much. No, every step he had to take it with strength and courage. If you don't have strength and courage, you won't step into the promises of God. It doesn't just happen passively. It happens actively. And here, follow this. Here's the crazy thing about the promises. When God tells us to Moses, I mean, tells us to Joshua, he says, every place that the sole of your foot would tread upon, I've given to you. From the wilderness in this Lebanon as far as the great river, right? And every time I read this passage, I imagine like, you know, just fields. It's like Ozarks. It's like, you know, it's just crazy. All I see is wheat and grass, you know? Every time I think of this promise being given, you know, that, oh my, I almost started singing Dixie Chicks. Oh, snap. (laughs) Now I have to. Wide open spaces. Yeah. I, I, every time I read this passage, I imagine that there's nothing but fields and God standing next to Joshua saying, look. It's like Mufasa standing with Simba in Lion King saying, look, every place that the sun touches belongs to you. 
But here's the thing. Actually, when God's standing with Joshua and he's looking out, it's not wide open spaces. In fact, he says that it's the land of the Hittites, meaning that someone else is occupying that space. Meaning that someone else has parked and made their tent in the place that God is calling Joshua. See, many of us need to realize that where God is calling you to, someone else may be occupying. You may be called to the entertainment mountain and you're expecting God to open up wide open spaces. No, he's not going to do that. He's going to probably set it up where you're going to have to confront demonic strongholds that exist in that mountain. You're an educator. Oh, well, everything's just going to open. No, no. Someone else is probably occupying the space that God is calling you to. Somebody may need to get fired in order for you to step into what God has for you. Oh, wait, Marcus, that's weird. Why are you saying that? Someone else may have to get displaced in order for you to step into the promised land. You ever thought about that? See, many Christians don't step into the promised land because someone else is already there. Not realizing that God is actually calling you to step in with strength and courage. And that you stepping into the promises of God may actually mean that they are no longer there. Oh, no, Marcus, this sounds like this is mean. Stop being such a mean pastor, bad pastor. No, 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 I'm not being a bad pastor. I'm being a biblical one. See, we got to get rid of this whole humanist idea that, you know, that everyone is inherently good. That's not that's not Bible. Everyone isn't inherently good. Everyone is inherently wicked. And it's only by the blood of Christ that we are made righteous. And God says that he will bless not the wicked, he will bless the righteous. It says that he will displace the wicked, that he will remove the wicked from their place, and he will put the righteous in that place. He says that the wealth of the wicked is being stored up so that it will be given to the righteous. But you've got to have strength and courage or you will never access it. You will never step to the plate and be in a position to receive it. You'll allow timidity and fear to keep you from it. Oh, no, I've got to be the nice person. You know, there's a difference between being nice and good. And the Bible calls us to be good. That doesn't always mean that everyone's going to like you. That doesn't mean that everyone's going to write good things about you on Facebook. Because that's what most of us are worried about. How many likes am I going to get? There's only one like that really matters. He's seated on a throne. Ancient of days. He's the one we will stand before at the judgment seat. You want his like, not 50,000 likes. You need strength and courage. The world is waiting on Christians who have strength and courage. Jesus himself is waiting on Christians who have strength and courage. You need strength and courage. The third. The third reason you need strength and courage is because God has called you to priesthood. Priesthood. Going to look at verses five and six, or verse verse six. God says to Joshua, "Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them." 
What do I mean by priesthood? A priest is someone who stands before the presence of God, representative for the other people. The other people access God through the priest. If the priest doesn't hold up their responsibility, the rest of the people don't access God. The Bible calls us the body of Christ. He calls us as a corporate people. He calls us priests and ministers of our God, Isaiah 61. He calls us in the New Testament a royal priesthood, meaning that I'm not the only priest in this room. You are. And what we see here in this passage with Joshua is that God says something very peculiar to Joshua. He tells him, be strong and courageous, for I, God, will cause the people to inherit the land, for I will make this happen. No, no, not I, God, will do it. Joshua, you need to be strong and courageous because you shall cause this people to inherit the land I swore to the fathers to give him. He tells Joshua, Joshua... You need strength and courage because everyone else's destiny is riding on you. He doesn't say they're riding on me. God's not like, it's riding on me. It's my response. No, no, no. Joshua, check it out. It's riding on you. You know, there are people who will never step into their destiny unless you step into yours. There there are people who... You know, we can use this. We like to explain it away in the church. Well, if I don't step out to them on the subway, I know at the next stop someone else will. God is sovereign. (laughs) You know, we love to use that God is sovereign, right? God is sovereign. He's in control. So I don't have to step out. No, no. There are people who are waiting for you to take on strength and courage. There are people in certain countries that will never experience God's blessing over their life. They will never step into what God has for them unless you step up. That's what God is saying right here to Joshua. He says, Joshua, be strong and courageous. If not, they won't inherit the land. Be strong and courageous, Joshua, because you will cause it to happen. God trusts us that much. God wants to partner with you that much. He wants to use you that much that he would say, I'll put someone's destiny on the line because of it. Does that scare you? It should. It should scare you into living right. It should scare you into seeking the face of God. See, our generation is so self-centered. You heard the key to moving forward, and you're thinking, yes, mm, strength and courage for me, for me, so I can feel better about me. But this life isn't about you. At the end of the day, it's not just about you. Yeah, it is about you. Jesus saves you, but it's about the people whom God wants to impact through you. Imagine what soul would look like if just the 140 people in this room decided that we would reach 10 more people. If we decided that we would be a positive impact on just maybe one more person, immediately our impact doubles. Someone else gets access to God that they didn't have access before. Someone else experiences freedom in a way that they didn't experience before. And I know that's a scary thing. That's why you need to be strong and courageous. So I'm talking about why we need to be strong and courageous. We need to be strong and courageous and I know some of you are sitting here thinking, you're right, you're right, but I'm not strong. 
and courageous. I go to the gym like once every four months. That was a personal confession. <laughs> How do we get strength and courage? Right? If we're to be strong and courageous, how do we get strength and courage? God is gracious enough to tell us. Verse 5 and 6, and then verse 9. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. And then he says, be strong. And courageous. Verse 9, do not be frightened, do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. How do we get strength and courage? We get strength and courage from the presence of God. It's only in the presence of God where we find the strength and courage we need to step into our calling. Well, to step into the promises of God. And to step out in such a way in which it positively impacts someone else. It's only in the presence of God. You know, strength and courage are not things that we work to acquire. Strength and courage comes from the presence of God. I don't want you leaving here today thinking, I just need to muster up more courage at work. I just need to muster up more strength. I just got to be stronger because that's works. You'll never be able to work your way up to enough strength and courage. No, strength and courage comes only from the presence of God. The natural outflow of the presence of God is strength and courage. But for many of us, we've thought, and this is the revelation I want to leave you with. For most of us, we think that strength and courage comes from absence. We think that strength comes from the absence of weakness. And courage comes from the absence of fear. But strength comes not from the absence of weakness. It comes from the presence of God. Courage comes not from the absence of fear. It comes from the presence of God. Strength comes not from the absence of weakness. See, many of us, we look in the mirror and we see our weaknesses. We see where we fall. We see where we make mistakes. We see where we falter. And we think that my weakness disqualifies me from accessing strength. Or we see our fears and we see how we're afraid. And we think that our fears disqualify us from accessing courage. But what we find in the Bible is that weakness never disqualifies you from God's strength. Weakness, if anything, when you bring it before God, it allows you to access his strength. Many of us, we fall into pits because the moment we start to see our weakness, the one person that our weaknesses surprise, it's not our friends, it's not our family, it's not God, it surprises us. And then we get discouraged. I didn't think I could be that weak. I didn't think I could be that bad. I didn't think I could do that kind of thing. And our weaknesses, they shock us more than they shock anybody else. You tell your friend about your weakness now. Yeah, I saw that a month ago. (laughs) You know, I think I have an anger problem. I've known that for four years. I was just afraid to tell you because you always get angry. We think that our weaknesses are surprises to everyone else, so we do everything possible to try to cover it up. 
There's, we err on one of two sides. Either we try to cover up our weaknesses or we, we fall into self-pity, which is the worship of weakness. Self-pity is when you lift up your weakness higher than God. And you spend all your time thinking about how weak you are, thinking about how you can never get over it. And you're constantly worshiping your weakness. You're more cognizant of the presence of your weakness than you are the presence of God. That's self-pity. Or we're constantly trying to cover up our weaknesses. So let me appear strong. That's why I, I don't want to show any negative emotion. I am man. I am strong. I don't want to cry. I don't have tear ducts. I won't be vulnerable. I won't share about my struggle. I won't walk into the house of God, a safe place, and begin to share how I'm struggling right now. Because, no, i got to be strong. Not knowing that the very thing you're cutting yourself off from is strength. Don't believe me? It's found in other places in the Bible. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. I want everyone to turn there right now. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. I'm going to look at verses 8 to 10. Strength is not found in the absence of weakness. It's found in the presence of God. Men, strength is not in the absence of weakness. It's found in the presence of God. Stop trying to appear strong and go before the presence of God and be strong. Second Corinthians 12, 8 to 10, it says, this is Paul speaking, the Apostle Paul. Somehow his first name became Apostle, Apostle Paul. He's that high up. He's that holy. He's that powerful. Second Corinthians 12, 8 to 10, he says, three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me, talking about this thorn in his flesh. But he said to me, Paul, check it out, my grace is sufficient for you. My grace is enough for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. See, Paul was before God, and he was like, God, I, you know, I'm Apostle Paul, God. I got this weakness. Take this weakness before me, because I don't like to be weak. I'm Apostle Paul. I like to be strong. I like to show everyone that I got the power of the Holy Spirit. I don't like to show anyone I'm having a bad day. I don't want anyone to know I got this thorn in my flesh. Take it from me, God. Take it from me. Take this weakness from me right now. And God's like, hold on. Hold on, player. I can't take this from you. Why? Because if I take your weakness, I'm actually taking away your access to strength. If I take away your weakness, you won't be humble enough to come before me and ask for strength. See, when you're always trying to cover up your weakness or you're worshiping your weakness and self-pity and self-loathing, the one place you never go is to the presence of God. You ever notice that? Numbing yourself from your weakness, numbing yourself from your pain. The one place we don't go is to the presence of God. When you're feeling overwhelmed by fear, is the presence of God the first place you go? See, Paul was like, take it from me, take it from me. I don't want to be a person who walks in weakness. But God said, Paul, you don't understand. My power is actually made complete in 
the place of your weakness. That means that whenever we have weakness and we bring it to God, God wants to encounter you in the midst of your weakness. That means that whenever you hold on to fear, whenever you have fear, if you bring it before God, that means that God wants to encounter you in the place where you are most afraid. And then you get his strength. That's why Paul says, he says, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then I'm content with weakness, insults, hardships, persecutions and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. See, what God is looking for, he's looking for people who will just come before him with their weaknesses. You struggling with unforgiveness and bitterness? Bring it to God. You struggling with addiction? Bring it to God. You struggling with fear? Bring it to God. You struggling with doubt? Doubt's a big one that we don't like to bring to God because we think God's intimidated by doubt. He's like, just because you doubt does not take away my realness. I'm still here. You got doubt? Bring it to God. That's one of the things I love to do with when I meet atheists. I'm like, hey, let's pray together. Hey, I want to challenge you to pray. Well, I don't believe in God. Well, then it won't hurt. Oh, well, I don't want to bring my doubt before God. Why? Because he might answer. You got doubt. You got fear. You got weakness. Bring it to God. See, the house of God is meant to be a place where people bring their weakness and they receive God's strength. It's where in the presence of God, we begin to experience him in such a way in which our calling becomes clear. Our purpose becomes clear. Where the promises of God for our lives become clear. And what he's called you to, the priesthood, for you to impact other people becomes rock solid in your heart. We see this Ultimately, in the life of Jesus, in Matthew 26, he's in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he's, he's sweating. He's so filled with anxiety that his sweat is like drops of blood. And he's all alone, and he's praying, and he's filled with so much angst inside his heart because he feels like this that God has put before me to go to the cross is too big. I mean, Joshua's calling was great. I mean, he's leading a people into the promised land, but Jesus is... It's a little bit bigger. It's a lot bigger. The salvation of all humanity. And he's sitting there in the garden and he's thinking, this is way too much for me. I can't do this. I can't do this. And what does he do with it? Does he try to cover it up? Son, how are you doing? I'm cool. I'm fine. I'm fine. No, no. He says, Father, take this cup from me. I can't do this. This is too much for me. Take this cup from me. He says, he says, my father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. Let this weakness pass from me. But then you see in that passage that there's a shift in his heart. He says, wait, nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. I believe that what happened in that moment between him saying, father, take this cup from me, and him saying, nevertheless, was that the Holy Spirit came upon him. That in that moment of weakness before God the Father, the Father said, Holy Spirit, go. And he began to experience the presence of God and then all of a sudden renewed strength. And he said, 
not as I will, but as you will. And then as Jesus went to the cross, he he fulfilled his purpose. He did all that he was purposed to do to go to the cross on our behalf. Not only that, but he fulfilled every promise that God had ever made. Every promise that we see in the Old Testament, even through Joshua. You know, Joshua's name in the Hebrews, Yeshua. He's a type and shadow to point us to Christ. When Christ took on strength and courage to go to the cross on our behalf, you know what it did? It didn't just fulfill his purpose, but it also gave us ours. It fulfilled every promise. Every promise that God ever speaks is yes and amen to us through Christ. And it gave us that example that it made us priests of God and it gave us that example, but that our life is not our own. That God calls us to expand his kingdom and to live for someone else's glory. How does that happen? Strength and courage. Be strong and courageous. Where do we get it? We get it in the presence of God. Let's pray right now.